0: Every time I've talked to Barb Hall about her son, Timmy Dees, and the latest was the fourth time, there has been a sense of urgency. The first time I talked to her, Barb's son was missing. Timmy was a 25-year-old man who lived in the St. Louis area. He was a full-time rigging technician, which meant that he set up audio-visual technology for big concerts and shows. He enjoyed his job. Timmy was raised in Marble Hill, Missouri, in Bollinger County. He was outgoing and fun, but a recovering addict who had been mourning the loss of his brother. He had been clean for quite some time and had been taking care of himself. He spent a lot of time with Barb and they were close. Timmy was last seen in Fredericktown, Missouri in Madison County. He went to Fredericktown with his childhood friend Caleb Nanny, who sometimes goes by Caleb Kelly. It had been a while since Timmy had seen Caleb. Timmy didn't know very many people in Fredericktown, but that's where Caleb lived. So again, Barb was urgent the first time I talked to her because her son had been missing for months. She was desperately trying to find out what happened to Timmy, essentially conducting her own investigation. And she has receipts. She showed me text messages. She's played recordings for me. She was so determined to find her son. She found little pieces of information of what happened the night he went missing. She'd sit at the courthouse square in Fredericktown several days a week, holding signs, begging for the public's help, and finding Timmy. Law enforcement dragged its feet initially, but eventually it came around and engaged in helping conduct searches. More and more, media outlets began picking up the story of Timmy's disappearance. Finally, on July 21st, the Highway Patrol conducted a search that found Timmy's remains. Not long after that, I talked to Barb again, and this was a couple of weeks ago, and again there was a sense of urgency. Even though the autopsy results had not yet come in, Barb told us that the Highway Patrol investigator was pushing a theory that Timmy was high on drugs, ran into the woods, and died as a result of an overdose. As you might expect, Barb was upset that the investigator was already forming conclusions without evidence, especially when she had collected so much disturbing information while Timmy was missing. Remember, there was a 911 call made. According to the report, Timmy claimed a friend was threatening him. Barb has text messages reportedly from Caleb to another person saying that Caleb was upset with Timmy and was going to beat him up. Barb said Caleb told her several different stories about what happened that night, which seemed different than what Caleb told police. There was information that Caleb and Timmy left a gas station without paying for their fuel. So this is a case that is simply unfolding in real time here, and Barb is in the middle of her own investigation of her son's mysterious death. Now there is a sense of urgency because Barb doesn't have much money, and Timmy's remains are about to be buried. Frankly, we don't know what we don't know. We know enough to believe that a crime has likely been committed. But Barb has only till Wednesday, she told me, to have her son's remains retained for an independent autopsy. There is a dispute between Barb and Timmy's father about what to do with the body. Barb has started a GoFundMe page with the goal to raise $5,000, but she's only raised 1500 so far. She hasn't even found a pathologist yet. The clock is ticking. Like I said earlier, according to Barb, the autopsy results aren't yet available. She was told they would be available in a couple of weeks after Timmy was found. It's been four weeks now, and the funeral home can't keep the body forever. Barb says it will cost her $50 per day for the funeral home to keep the body, money she says she doesn't have. And this is where I state my caveats. We're only hearing Barb's side of the story here. Barb is a mama bear. She's lost two sons now. She's hurting. She is colored by emotion. But with that emotion comes passion and purpose. No one is more dedicated to finding the truth about Timmy Dees than this woman. Each time I've interviewed Barb, I've gotten to know her better. Her urgency edges toward desperation, but I don't find her crazy. I don't necessarily agree with all of her conclusions, but she's trying to make sense of what she knows. And as I've said, she comes with receipts. She has a calendar where she's written down what's happened day by day. She's kept screenshots, she has documents, she even has a recording or two. In the interview that's upcoming, Barb talks about her interactions again with the investigator with the highway patrol. Again, we're hearing it from Barb's point of view, but I don't believe Barb is lying. Barb explained to me that the investigator admitted he knew she'd talked to me for this podcast, and the investigator was not at all happy about it. When she drove to Popper Bluff to confront the investigators and and ask some questions, they were not there. So she waited more than an hour in the parking lot to talk to them. When she was finally brought inside, Trooper Jeffrey Johnson's first words were in anger and in frustration. Barb didn't feel like they even wanted to listen or respond to her questions or take her information. I'd like to take a moment here to make a public standing invitation to the Highway Patrol I'm happy to interview someone about this case and address Barb's frustrations publicly. I would also like to talk to someone about the Durante Martin case. Durante's mother says the Highway Patrol refuses to investigate his death as a homicide despite a coroner's inquest and an independent autopsy that disputed the original coroner's finding. So far, I've had no luck reaching anyone. There is no way to email or call anyone directly at the Highway Patrol website. Only a main number. They've made it intentionally difficult to reach people. I have left a message with the PIO of Troop E and have not received a response. So if anyone with the Highway Patrol is listening, please contact us through our website's tip portal at www.thelawlessfiles.com or send us a message through our Facebook page. We can set up an interview and address the actions of the Highway Patrol on these cases. The sad reality is that Barb is not going to the media because she enjoys doing so. She's not seeking attention. She just wants her son's death to be investigated thoroughly. I 100% believe that Barb would prefer to not be in the spotlight. I also believe Timmy would still be missing had she not placed herself in that spotlight. Barb Hall meets me in the Jackson City Park. It's around 6pm. She is again wearing her silver hair up in a loose bun. She's wearing a sleek white blouse having just come from Poplar Bluff. She's a thin woman, but not in an unhealthy way. She looks tired, but her blue eyes are sincere. We walk over to the park shelter and take a seat on the opposite sides of the picnic table. And as we talk, I can't help but think about what Barb Hall has gone through. She has lost both her sons. She doesn't know what happened to Timmy. She had to fight like hell to find him. Now she's having to fight like hell to get authorities to investigate his death. And she has to fight like hell to raise money to pay to have an independent pathologist search her son's skeletal remains for clues as to how and why he died. It's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I'm your host, Bob Miller. You're listening to The Lawless Files.
1: And I said, well, and they found one shoe and the other. And I said, well, what do you think? He goes, I think Jimmy ran out of his shoes. And I go, well, I know Jimmy pretty well. If he wasn't in his shoes, Jimmy ran out of his shoes, he would have got his shoes back, put it back on. He said, well, he went from that story to they think the creep took his shoes. And I said, well, the creep, or the creep took his shoes off of him. I was like, where's the phone? We don't know where the phone is. We think the great took the phone. I have so many questions. The last time we talked, the the officer who um, from the
0: highway patrol Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson. Um, kind of gave you a theory that um, he just kind of laid down and, and and died, maybe as a result of an overdose or something. But there's, as you stated, there's nothing to
1: back that up. Um, have you had
0: a chance to talk with uh, anyone, uh, any of the detectives since then?
1: Yes, I actually went to the Highway Patrol's office in Popper Bluff, Troop B, on... August the twelfth. On August
0: the twelfth. Okay. And what what uh, who'd you talk to and what did they say? I
1: talked to Jeff Johnson and John West. Jeff Johnson and John West?
0: Yes. Okay, so what what was the result of that? What did they tell you?
1: They told me that um, they think to me just laid down and died. <laughs> I have a hard time with that because that I, I just wanted to prove that because they found his shoe. Uh, they haven't found his phone yet. The phone's just mysteriously gone. Uh, he, but he had a check-in on March 27th, which was almost exactly a month March, later, okay. saying that he checked in in Fredericktown. Well, then, if you go on his Facebook page now, it's gone. So, I mean, some, who's got the phone? My main thing is I'm trying to get the highway patrol to just finish it. Just I, I begged them. I said, please, just find out where the phone is. Can you please? I know they're not going to probably find the phone, but they can at least, I would think, find out where that check-in came from, why it was checked in, you know. It seems like
0: there could be some sort of... Uh Um, pinging or or something, you know, to find out exactly where in Fredericktown, where that phone went after it left uh, Timmy's possession, if that's indeed what happened. Um, So what did they tell you about that? Did they say that they were going to look into that or no?
1: They told me that they would look into that, but I've called and (laughs) called. I've been calling for three weeks or ever since the 12th. And I just keep getting, well, I got to talk to Monroe, which Monroe is the detective from Jefferson County that I, when I made the 911, I got the case in the beginning. Before we knew Timmy was missing out of Fredericktown. Because he, I called 911 from my house, which is Jefferson County, so they made the missing persons report. And then a few days later, I found out, which was the 2nd of March, that he was missing in uh, Fredericktown, And so I pretty much lived at Fredericktown yeah. after that. Yeah. And uh, the newspaper article from Frederictown says that they don't need, know that he was even missing until March 13th, which is not correct because we did a search on March 12th. I went and got permission slips on March thirteenth. They did another search on March fifteenth. Then the phone got pe- somebody used that phone or something on the twenty seventh. Well then April I lived at the courthouse the whole month of April. Then the highway patrol did a search on the twelfth of April. April twelfth. Yes. Yeah. Then I just pretty much lived at the courthouse. Every day it wasn't raining. Yeah. (laughs) And then the Highway Patrol did another search in Mark 1, Missouri on the 5th of June. Okay, so why did they search Mark 1? Because we had gotten a tip that Timmy's body was in a store, or a, a camper. There's like two campers at this place. When they went there, my boyfriend actually went with them, they didn't go in with search warrants or anything. They checked a camper that was there. There was another camper there, and they didn't find anything. So, uh, so for
0: those not familiar with the area, Marquand's a tiny, tiny, tiny town just outside of, of Fredericktown. Town, um, not at the same place that the 911 call was made.
1: So at some point,
0: they were thinking, yeah, this could
1: be um, yeah, we got a tip yeah, that some, yeah. they had taken Timmy to Mark 1 and that he might be in these campers. Yeah. But the problem was they didn't get a search warrant. They just went there and, you know, you can only do so much without a search warrant. Yeah. So then on June the 7th, they took helicopters and looked around that area in Fredericktown, on the 115 Village Creek Road, they searched all that area. On the 7th of June. Well, we didn't find anything. So then I got the paperwork for the 911 call on the 17th of June because, I've, you know, Caleb told me 10 different stories, and that Timmy was paranoid. He was saying somebody was chasing him. So when I went and got the paperwork, then I was. The paperwork shows that Timmy didn't say anything about anybody chasing him. He said his friend was threatening him. When I was with the Highway Patrol on the 12th, and at the 12th of uh, August, I asked him, I said, well, when Trevor got arrested that night, because when they went there for the 911 call, they arrested Trevor. I said, was Caleb there? Did anybody talk to Caleb? Well, no. I said, well, did anybody talk to this Mike Buskey?" no I said well where were they well they were in the house and I said well how do you know they were in the house and they said because they told us that and I go oh okay so Mike Busky and Caleb Nanny's story is biblical it's the truth because that's what they said right but Timmy's story doesn't matter because Timmy's not here to defend himself
0: yeah so that's that's one of the things that there's a lot of kind of questions and mysteries about is, like, what happened when the police showed up after that 911 call uh, on, uh, what was the name of the, the road again? 115
1: uh, Village Creek Road. Village
0: Creek Road. Um, it doesn't appear that they talked to Timmy. It doesn't appear that they talked to Caleb. Um, they took this Mike. They took a Trevor Holland. Trevor Holland, I'm sorry. They took Trevor Holland in uh, on a warrant. Um, but we really don't know... Uh, What transpired there? And, uh, they're not being real forthcoming about that. It doesn't sound like, or at least they don't know. They say they don't know much. Um, but,
1: but they went back there to that address and arrested Caleb later. That's why I'm asking them, well, if Trevor had a warrant and you arrested Trevor, if you saw, if, why didn't you arrest Caleb too? Yeah. You went back hours later and arrested Caleb. For once.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like they went back and did some searching. I don't know. But
1: bottom line
0: is that Timmy made the phone call. And they went to this address, and Timmy was never seen again. And they didn't talk to Timmy. They didn't look for Timmy. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing that we've seen um, that that indicates they were even asking about Timmy or, or any of that. So, um, the 911 report just doesn't have any mention of that. So, um, you know, that, that whole thing is, is a bit of a mystery. Um, so we, we you know, uh, some of this stuff we've, we've already talked about, but it's, you know, again, it's kind of worth going over again, but, uh, it's, as you've laid out here, um, It was kind of a situation where they dragged their feet, um, weren't real helpful. The sheriff's department wasn't real helpful right away. And uh, finally, you got some traction, and it seems like they were um, willing to do some searches, and they finally found Timmy. And now it's like they don't want, they don't seem um, willing were too eager to answer these questions that are out there. Um, so that's where we're at now, and it just kind of follows a pattern since day one of not taking all of this real seriously. Can you tell me a little bit more about... Well, actually, let's back up a little bit. He was he was found on uh, August... No, or, July, I'm sorry, 20- July 21st. And what they told you, if I remember correctly, is that the autopsy would be done in a couple of weeks. And it's been over a month now, right? Yeah. It's been a month, four weeks, and still don't have the autopsy. Um and in our in our last interview you were saying that um the highway patrol was putting out this theory without evidence that um Kind of like we talked about before, that he he fell and he just just died in 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 the woods. Can you tell me? So you had this follow up conversation, and they're kind of on the same kind of on that same
1: path. But what did what did he tell you specifically? Like, well, on August the twelfth, when I went to Popper Bluff to the Highway Patrol, Jeff Johnson said to me, "Don't you want to believe that Timmy just lay down and died?" and that there was no trauma or anybody hurt him. And it's like, well, I'd like to believe that if whatever happened to him, he didn't see it coming, first of all. And the truth, that's all I want, is the truth of what happened to my son. I asked him to do a, a drug test. They said they can't do that because he didn't have any skin or hair left. And I said, so I just need to pretty much be happy with they found him, It's done, and I should be grateful that they found it.
0: So that's. I'm sorry, but that just seems unconscionable to me. Um, I can't lay down and sleep.
1: That doesn't.
0: That doesn't. You know, it it just it's bewildering to me that. uh, I can understand a police officer wanting to give the best view of a story or or something like that to a to a victim or the victim's family, but. That's just kind of like saying we don't really care what happened. we don't really want to know what happened. We just want you to to have the best um, idea of what happened, and that that's just unconscionable to me. I, I, you know, and I'm sure that
1: there's sh- no words for it. I yeah. mean, you, you just don't know what to say because when he said that to me, I just was stunned. It's like, so I'm just supposed to go with whatever. Okay, you found him. He's gone. We're not going to try to figure out what happened to him. He died. A 25-year-old healthy young man yeah. just ran in the woods and died. And uh, he's very in, very furious with me with talking to you. He, I can't say yelled at me or anything like that. I felt kind of scolded. Yep. and that I need to pretty much keep my mouth shut and not be talking about it and I'm like but he was my son I said I'm not asking anything from you that you wouldn't want if something happened to one of your kids I don't think like I'm asking for a lot here just to follow up with the phone and I, I sat back in my chair and I said please I start crying I said could you please just check the phone out just find out what why that check-in was on that phone, because that's very suspicious to me. And the tennis shoe, it just looks very clean to me. I mean, believe me, I have looked at that picture and looked at that picture. Yeah,
0: so the the description of the shoe is that um, I, we, we looked at the, before this interview, we looked at the picture of that shoe, and it, it just doesn't appear like it was like, you know, ripped, Ripped off a foot by a current or something, and and
1: you the inside know inside of the shoes clean. Yeah, it
0: wasn't like super muddy or anything. Particularly the the shoelaces, uh, they were still kind of bright blue, you know. So um, there's
1: just a little dirt on top of the top of the shoe, but the shoelaces is yeah. clean. I mean, the inside of the shoes clean. Yeah,
0: it's not like it. It doesn't look like it was like pulled off his foot from the, from a water current or anything like that, which is one of the okay. theories that they put put out to you
1: and the inside of the shoe is clean that and it was out there for five months i mean he doesn't have any skin or hair left but the shoe's clean do they have possession of that shoe or i guess so okay
0: been this new it's, it's taken a new level now um, before they were trying to offer you a theory um, now it's it's not just they're offering you a theory they're saying well don't you want to believe this like trying to um, have me be okay with it yeah and then on top of that scolding you for for talking to the media um, Which I could (laughs) look. No, no police ever wants um, you know uh, the business of an investigation out in the public realm. I understand. But but you're not you're not out here giving secrets about what they found. You're 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 out here pleading for
1: for public outcry because they're not. I just want them to. Do, the, yeah. do more of an investigation. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate that what they have done. They found Timmy. I can't tell you how grateful I am of that. Yeah. But now you want to, it's like you found him, so we're done. It's like, well, don't you want to know what happened to him? I, I I, would like to know what happened to my son. I, th- I don't think there's a mother out there that wouldn't want to know what happened to one of the children if the, if it was the same scenario here. Yeah. And the phone thing—it's like, why are we not trying to figure out the phone? Um, I have called everybody. I talked to Holly, state uh, representative, or she's uh, she's state a senator. Senator, yep. yeah. She's the senator. Very nice woman. And she said she's even getting the runaround at this point. She said she can't get any answers, and she's getting the runaround. And I was like, well. I'm not going to just be quiet because Jeff Johnson, there's no doubt he don't like me. And that's okay, he doesn't have to like me. But I thought that's what his job was. To find out what happened. Because when they told me that Mike Busking and Caleb was on, first, you know, the first story when we first talked was Mike Busking was asleep the whole time, remember? Mm -hmm. Well, the highway patrol told me on the 12th of August when I was there, that Mike Busking said that Caleb put Timmy on speakerphone and they could hear Timmy running, Caleb and Mike Busking could hear Timmy running across some ice and they don't know what happened to him. He said somebody was chasing him. I said, oh, so we're going to just believe that? I don't understand that. I said, Wait, wait, so wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Yes. All right.
1: <laughs> uh, so... So, so Mike Busking called who? Timmy, or, or Caleb called Timmy. Caleb called Timmy and woke up Mike Busking and put it on speakerphone. And and Mike Busking and Caleb told the highway patrol that they could hear Timmy running. It sounded like he was running over some by ice or something, and that uh, he was saying somebody was chasing him. I'm like, well, if that's the case, they found Timmy 200 yards. If Mike Busking and Caleb was talking to Timmy and Timmy fell and got hurt, wouldn't he have said, hey, I'm over here, can you come help me? I got hurt. Well, (laughs) now we're looking at, they could easily confirm whether that phone call was made by looking at the phone records. Well, they know the phone call was made and there was an answer to that call. Okay. But we don't know what was said on that call. Right, right, yeah. And then you're saying that it sound, they said that it sounded like Timmy was running running around over ice. Well, I looked at the weather that day. When that 911 call was made, it was 44 degrees. It got up to 65 degrees that day. I don't think he's running like Mike Buskey and okay. <laughs> Caleb said over some ice. So, I mean, the bottom line here. If, if you take it just take a step back like
0: there's so many crazy things it, it just it just there's so many unanswered questions like the ice question the shoe question the phone question where's the phone you know the the facebook question um and it just there's so many questions that that are unanswered that, that, that's
1: but, all i'm asking yeah is but to, and
0: not just unanswered but some of these questions i mean there's ways to try to pursue some of these answers um it's it just it's just bewildering um what do we have here
1: this is a text message that i got from a girl saying that uh her cousin caleb's cousin was there that night too
0: Can I read it? Sure. I know my ex abused drugs with his cousin Caleb, and there's no telling what's going through their heads after being up for a few days. I believe they're both capable of something like this. Again, I'm sorry about everything. I'm not sure if I even helped you out at all or if I should have kept that to myself, but you deserve to know. I have two babies of my own, and I can't imagine what you're going through. And here's the next page of that. I keep going over what we know, and so much points to Caleb. I don't know him. I have nothing against him. But if if it is true and comes out that way, he needs to serve his time. You have a good night. I'm streaming for Timmy every night
1: till October. Because we're trying to get – well, I got until in October is what I was told. But now I'm being told that I've got only until Wednesday. Right, and the thing with that is that there is Caleb's cousin, I guess he's his cousin, his name's Mike Street, that is in jail there. And he left Fredericktown two days after Timmy came up missing. So, I mean, I'm not saying this story is even true. But what I am saying, there's so many unanswered questions that need to be.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know,
1: if and let's just,
0: you know, we kind of we kind of went down this road earlier. Um, But if it it was an overdose um, uh, and something like that did happen where they took the body and and dumped it that's still a crime and that should be investigated if someone gave him drugs that was laced with something fatal that's a crime so there are other crimes here that there's a lot of questions yeah like I you know like to, to for a for a law enforcement officer to look at this whole situation and say, No,
1: it's just an overdose is it's just uh, it's just hard to stomach and, and um Well if it was an overdose, could you prove to me that it was an overdose? I mean there uh isn't there a way to do a, to find out if he had drugs in his system or if it was an overdose? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't are we just supposed to just let it go because we found his body and I, I did, guess if I just walk out in the woods and die, they can say, Oh, she overdosed her remains are just there and yeah uh, you know i just don't understand that
0: I, I i do know uh i did some cursory uh research i do know that um they can do toxicology from from bone marrow but i d- i don't know things like how long that it would stay you know traces of
1: that would stay in the system um, so i probably need to do some more research on that i heard but that they would have i i've i've watched uh thing just recently where they found a body that was buried for many years and then they took the body it still had hair. So why does Timmy not have hair? Why can't? I mean, I'm questioning the hair and uh, fingernails. uh, Yeah. Because what I was told when I asked the coroner, which was the same day that I went to the highway patrol, I stopped by the coroner's office and uh, he wasn't there, but he did call me pretty quick after I left there. And we talked and I said, you know, you might not be able to answer this question for me, but if you can't just let me know, I, I'd understand, but I'd have a question. He said, well, what would you like to know? And I said, was Timmy all there? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, thank you. Well, when I got to the highway patrol and I talked to them, they said some of Timmy's shoulders was missing and some pieces off of one of his hands, like a few fingers were not there, but all of his body's there. So I don't understand why, but there's no hair or no skin. <sighs> like I said, I'm not. They find people years later that have died, and they still can. Yeah, I, the, think I, it, I don't. Understand. I think
0: it all hap- depends on what kind of the weather conditions are,
1: things like that. But yeah, I think. And he was 200 yards. Why wouldn't you think somebody would have smelled him or something? I mean, they did have the helicopters and stuff in that area. Well, it's something that... 200 yards is pretty close to wherever when, where he called 911 from. Yeah. And I am upset that if they would have just looked for Timmy... Well, if they would have just taken the time to look to, for Timmy that day, it's possibly he could still be here. If he was hurt or whatever happened to him, they could have saved him. If they would have just looked for him when they got there in five minutes, because the paperwork right here says they were on the scene within five minutes of that 911 call. that It could be so different.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, even let's say if it was an overdose. They have that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he made the night one call one call saying his firm was threatening him if he OD'd, they have that stuff now you put it in a nose and Yeah. Uh,
0: just uh, man. If there's also the possibility that um He and I, you know, I don't, I don't know how you would prove this or whatever, but the, the condition of the shoe being what it was, you, you wonder if there's a possibility that if the the body was moved to that location
1: after some time. I've been, I've gotten people get a hold of me on messenger quite a few saying they don't believe Timmy's body was there the whole time. Yeah. But I, you know, that's just hearsay that, you know. There are a lot of people get a hold of me and tell me different stories. I mean, I was told the very first story I was told that Caleb hit to me with a baseball bat. And severely hurt him after he, cause he got mad because to me something about that gas that was supposedly not paid for. And it wasn't paid for. The lady that lives there actually did go pay for that gas. I don't know if they got in an argument over that and then Caleb was threatening him because the paperwork says Timmy felt threatened and then I was told that Caleb got mad at him for making the phone call and the gas and hit him with the baseball bat.
0: Okay, so um they they're putting out this story that the neighbors called 911 on a noise Disturbance. Uh, disturbance um have you been able to confirm whether that phone
1: call was made no no i haven't been up to. okay well the first story that i got from caleb when he was in jail i asked him i said caleb why were the police there in the first place i said why did the police come there and he said because timmy was outside making noise and the neighbors called the police and, but Caleb didn't say anything about Timmy calling the police and saying that he felt threatened. And then the the other story I got from Caleb was that um, Timmy went outside to take a pee and he just never came back. So I've gotten like 10 different stories from Caleb. Okay, so
0: it's, I guess it's possible that Both calls were made. I mean... But that really doesn't make sense. If the neighbors called and Timmy's spooked, he doesn't want to get caught there. Is he going to be calling 911 also? We know that Timmy made... Because you've got the copy of the 911 report.
1: Yeah, you see it. Um there's a lot of questions yeah like
0: if both phone calls were made it would make more sense that that disturbance was some sort of altercation happening right and that would fit that would check a lot of boxes
1: so maybe we should find out um well when i asked uh the sheriff's department how or how they knew to even go there and because, you know, first they told me that the tower was down, remember? Yeah. The tower was down. Well, if you look at this paper, the tower was not down. Where oh, you see that? That's how they got there. That's how they knew to go there was the tower oh. was down. Because I said, how did you, if, if the tower was down and Timmy made a 911 call, how did you know, how did you get there in five minutes? How did you know to go there? Right. And one of the stories I got was... Well, somebody got arrested there last night. I'm like, really? So because somebody got arrested there last night means that you just knew to go there. Of all Madison County, you just knew to go there for this 911 call. I mean, there's just so much.
0: Yeah. Um, you can do... Uh, I can help you with a Sunshine Law request that we can at least try to find out if the neighbor called uh, that night. That could at least fill in part of the story um I, we could ask for all 911 reports um with within a certain time range okay so that'd that, be great yeah we could we could do that and
1: then um when i did and my boyfriend went and got the permission slips on march the 13th and knocked on the neighbor's door the and na- the neighbor right next door to that house he was outside he had a little girl with him she come running up all night, you know And he told us, we we asked him, did you hear anything? He goes, well, he goes, there was some guy out here and he described, that's how I got Mike Busking's name, because he described Mike Busking to a T to me. And he said, some guy with the slicked back hair was out here yelling, hey, uh, did you see a guy running through here? Because I need to find him, he's got a pocket full of Xanax. And uh, I told the police that, and I told the PI that, the first PI that we had, well, when they went back to talk to the guy, he said he didn't say that. <laughs> the neighbor, he said that didn't happen. But, but I thought that they were. I thought that that's part of the story that they told you a couple weeks ago. There, yeah. Well, if Timmy had a pocket full of Xanax, so prove. I mean, tell me that. Tell
0: me that. It's, so that's part of the theory that they're giving to you. Is this? Is this statement that was made to you that they? C-
1: right, but then. Uh, Caleb's sister got on Facebook, her name's Winter Kelly, and she starts going off on me saying, well, I saw Timmy that night and he had a pocket full of Xanax. And I said, oh, really? I said, so you were there. <laughs> photoshopped. I yeah. photoshopped. I got yeah. it. Yeah. I got proof of that. And I said, oh, so you were there. And she's like, then she sent this picture out to me. Oh, Caleb's been there trying to help you all this long this time. And she sent this picture of Caleb sitting at the courthouse with me. And I got on there and I said, yeah, Caleb did show up at the courthouse. I said, when Caleb showed up at the courthouse, I saw him from from a distance. I realized it was Caleb. I ran up to Caleb. I grabbed him. I started crying. I begged him. I said, Caleb, if you know anything about Timmy, please let me know. Please tell me, please help us find him. There was no emotion whatsoever from Caleb. Then he came and sat down and I have a friend that was sitting next to me and he sat down and he goes, well, I just want you to know that Trevor Holland's a family man. And I go, oh, really? A family man that shoots meth and shoots heroin. I said, that sounds like a really good family man to me, Caleb, and he didn't say anything. And he said, well, I go, what about this Mike Busking that was supposedly there? He goes, well, he didn't, He he dated my mom. And I go, well, how did he treat your mom? Well, my mom's difficult. Then he sat there a few more minutes, didn't say another word, didn't offer to help look for Timmy, absolutely nothing, and he got up and walked away. And that was the end of that. But so, when Caleb was in jail now, Caleb told me. <laughs> there's so many stories Caleb told me. Caleb told me why he was in jail that Mike Busking was there, but he was in the house and he never saw Timmy's face. Remember that first conversation hmm. we had and he kept saying that Mike Busking was there, but never saw Timmy's face, and he told me that four times. Well, if I'm in a party with you, and you were inside sleeping, and somebody came by and said, oh, did you see so-and-so? Oh, were they in the house, but they, didn't, they nobody saw him, you know? He's in the house. I wouldn't go on and on and on about, hey, they didn't see his face. It's like they're trying to convince themselves that story is what I believe. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, it just... Um It just, it, if this was a, an overdose death and they were worried about getting in trouble, they they would have, I mean, Timmy would not
1: have ran off.
0: They would have taken him somewhere
1: yeah he couldn't have ran out of his shoes if he's dead
0: yeah right um i don't know man this is all like it's a lot it's a lot
1: it's a lot i actually have nightmares of this trying to sleep anymore yeah yeah all i really want is number one answers of what happened to them please I'm begging them to please do something find out where that phone is just check the phone records that's all I want yeah and second of all when this is all said and done that rule 33 catch and release thing that law is bullcrap it needs to go <laughs> you know yeah. yeah I mean we have people getting caught with felony drug charges
0: there's, there's so much fentanyl and then, stuff and going yeah, right on
1: and, and the fentanyl's in it. Are yeah. you got heroin that fentanyl's in that's it, killing people, and they get arrested, then they get released right back out. I mean, it, it's it's not helping Missouri at all. Yeah. The catch and release program is just crazy to
0: me. So you're, you're out here trying to get the word out of what's going on with your case. Anything else uh, that, uh, in, in the, the immediate plans, I know you're still raising money, we're trying to help with that. Um, what else can you do? Is there anything?
1: I want to spend my time getting that, link. that law changed. I have been working with Jesse's mom, we've been talking actually gotten pretty close i haven't talked to her in a while because so much is going on but we'd like to change and get a law called timmy and jesse's law to get the uh, catch and release law gone i mean it needs to go yeah it's not helping the good people i mean it's like the drugs people that are on drugs are taking over these little towns and Fredericktown's a beautiful town. You've been there. It's, it's a beautiful town. There's a yeah. lot of good people there. Yeah. But it's like the drugs, the druggers are taking over their town.
0: Yeah. Wish you the best of luck. We're gonna to try to get this out to the people just as quickly as we can. Um, and if you're if you're listening, um, how can they? Uh, how can people who want to donate to your GoFundMe? How can they find that?
1: Uh, it's on my Facebook page, and it's on Find Timmy. Find in Missouri.
0: Go go to to
1: Facebook. Search for
0: the page. Find Timmy. Find Timmy in Missouri. Find Timmy in Missouri, and you can find the the uh, GoFundMe page there. We're also we've also linked to it a couple of times in our Facebook group and our Facebook page at the Lawless Files as well. So
1: if you if you um, if I could just get say 200 people to donate ten dollars, yeah, <laughs> I would get my goal done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so if you can, if you can donate a little bit uh, to help out Barb uh, get this second autopsy, uh, she needs this help because she can't really trust what's, um, you know, uh, being done by the state. And she's not the only one. So we've talked about some of these other cases too. So um, we're we're just trying to help keep the pressure on here and make sure that everything that can be done to solve this this uh, death. Um, Everything that can be done is being done. So, um, Barb, thank you for talking with me and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thank you. All right. the quality of that interview the cicadas were screaming out at the park and i did my best to edit out that horrible sound which is why the sound quality isn't that great but thanks for putting up with me as i learned how to make the most out of very basic recording equipment in less than ideal conditions anyway barb hall thinks it's important for people to understand that her son was not a junkie he'd had some substance abuse problems in the past But he was doing much better, including going to the doctor for shots to help keep his cravings under control. And that matters to Barb. But it shouldn't matter to law enforcement. There is a feeling in Madison County that law enforcement are ignoring the drug problem. Barb was told this time and time again when she sat in front of the courthouse in Fredericktown. Barb told me the sheriff has developed a strategy that the drug addicts will take care of themselves with street justice. The Highway Patrol is in charge of this investigation, but the county could get involved too. The death occurred in their jurisdiction. As we listen to Barb, it does seem like law enforcement wants to move on. Timmy Dees was doing better, but he went to spend some time with his childhood friend. Then he disappeared. Then he was found dead in the woods some five months later, nothing but bones. Maybe Timmy had a relapse, but that does not mean his life doesn't matter. We have a crime scene where the last person to see Timmy, his friend who drove him from St. Louis to Fredericktown, has given many different statements. A friend who texted someone else saying he was mad at Timmy and would beat him up the next time he saw him. We have a 911 call where Timmy had stated a friend was threatening him. We have a body near a dry creek. We have two shoes found not far from the body. No phone has been found. We have a post on Timmy's Facebook that he had checked into Fredericktown one month after he was reported missing. That check-in is no longer on his feed. We have an investigator who believes it was an overdose with no foul play. An investigator is trying to convince Barb to believe a theory that Timmy died peacefully somehow. Only a skeleton was found. Not even hair remains. I did some light research on how long it takes for hair to decompose. I couldn't find anything super definitive but hair can last years. Wet conditions tend to speed up the decomposition of bodies, even fingernails, which can disappear in as little as 50 days, but hair is usually the last thing to disintegrate. From what I gather, hair can last hundreds or even thousands of years given the right conditions. Even if human hair is used in compost material, it can take up to two years to decompose completely. It's the same for hair that is caught in drains or pipes. One thing that we didn't talk about on the recorded interview, but Barb told me outside of the recording, is that the Highway Patrol had asked the FBI to look into the phone records and Facebook data. Barb called the FBI, and they confirmed to her that they'd been asked to do a forensic analysis on the phone and Facebook data, but it was called off by the Highway Patrol once the body was found. Again, they said we don't need that analyzed anymore because we found the body. Later, when Barb called the FBI again, they would not talk to her. All of this is perplexing, and it goes straight to the reason Barb is desperate. Why would an officer no longer be interested in Timmy's movements, whereabouts, and messages after his body was found in the woods? Does that make any sense? Now let's take a step back for a moment. Remember, Durante Martin's death was originally ruled a suicide. It's a different case, but there seem to be similarities. Durante died in the attic of a house on 00, a property where someone had died once before. The coroner ruled it a suicide, and Durante's family hired an independent pathologist to examine Durante's body. That pathologist ruled that the gunshot could not have been self-inflicted. A coroner's inquest was called, and a grand jury ruled that it was death by violence, not suicide. But yet, the same detective, Jeff Johnson, has told Durante's family that they're sticking to the original ruling of suicide. Then we had Jesse Wilfong. Jesse was missing for quite some time before her body was found in neighboring Cape Girardeau County, buried under a barn. Cape Girardeau County Sheriff's deputies, with the help of confidential informants, have charged Jesse's uncle and his girlfriend for her murder. Jesse's uncle has been known to have been into methamphetamine. And before Jesse went to Millersville, she was last seen at a house in Fredericktown on O. Documents associated with that case suggest Jesse's uncle accused her of being an informant for police and drug investigations. And now, just days before I did this interview that you heard with Barb Hall, a Johnson County, Illinois man was found dead in Fredericktown. Jason Blair, 43, was last seen walking his dog on 00. The dog was found alive and turned over to the family. Nothing else about that death has been released publicly. Route 00 connects Fredericktown to Farmington. It's a route I drove several times a week when I attended Mineral Area College in Park Hills for a year. Route 00 and Village Creek Road, the address where Timmy was last seen alive begin very close to each other, and run parallel until Village Creek Road turns into County Road 211. Again, Madison County is a rural county with a population of about 12,000 people. Fredericktown has a population of about 4,000. There's a lot of drama happening in this sparsely populated area, and I know there are other mysterious cases that I just haven't had any time to research. So now we have a poor mother raising funds to investigate the case herself. We have an investigator trying to convince her to accept the most comfortable explanation of Timmy's death after having told the FBI to discontinue the investigation of Timmy's phone and Facebook records. All this after the last person known to be with Timmy has told inconsistent stories about what he and Timmy were doing that night. I don't want to jump to conclusions... But if you've been listening to The Lawless Files from the very beginning, you know this sounds all too familiar. Thank you for listening to The Lawless Files. I'm your host, Bob Miller. This files is a production of Leadhound Publishing LLC.